Hey guys, and welcome back to Capes and Scows, and today we have a very special interview with me, making his podcast debut, although technically it won't go up first, so I guess we failed. It's fine. Is Carmen Costa! Hi guys. How you doing, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. So, you are here, you're talking about Proctor, your very first comic book. I am. Yeah. How do you feel? Exhausted. You look tired. I am tired. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, um... I forgot about the business part of the comic book business, and I'm realizing that it is its own sort of machine that I kind of have to keep keep it going. We fully funded in 48 hours, and I'm super thankful, and it's been great. But uh, dude, when you're like, how do you feel? I'm like, awful. Like, it's still... <laughs> I feel awful. Please help my project more, because I'm awful. Everything's awful. Yeah, I, I just don't... Um... You could make this worse for Carmen by supporting his project on Kickstarter. Yes. Proctor. Yes. A nice horror comic for you. Yeah. Give him more work. Make him more stressed. It's really great. It's fun. I'm having a good time. Yeah, so like I was telling you earlier, of the people, there's like 93 people following the project, and those people haven't made any purchases yet, so there's a good chance I get slammed the last week of, of the project. So it's it, the project ends, or the campaign ends, November 3rd, so there's a good chance that like November 1st I get crushed, and then I just sob in my bathroom or something for a couple hours are you a bathroom sobber i might be after this you might be <laughs> just you and and your dog pickle just huddled up yeah me dude pickle's been he's my he's my support uh-huh. cuddle your rock actually I, I can't say that duke the older 13 year old it dog yeah. is, is my is my uh <laughs> is my support cuddler uh-huh. he's every i would say Every page of this, when this thing was a book, every single page of this book, give or take, was written with this, like, 13-year-old gross pit bull snuggled <laughs> up next to me yeah. on the couch. So he's, it would, he, he's first. He's, Absolutely. He's first. He's first. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's been, it's been good. I'm exhausted. I'm excited that we're essentially... You know, Ricardo Checky is my artist who's been handling all the pencils and inks. Very um, good. He's good, yeah. He's very good. Yeah, I, I am super fortunate that I have the privilege of working with him, and he's going to start working on issue two, like, the third week of October. So good. It's so cool to see the process where, like, you're just banging through this. This is... Yeah. This is insanity. Organized chaos, I'd call it. Yeah, I'm very excited. I think we're we're gonna do a great job. Things that like people. So I I've decided I'm just gonna be transparent about like the cost of putting this thing together. It's a lot of money. Yeah. So like when you look at my Kickstarter campaign, it's forty five hundred dollars to fund, mm-hmm. and we're we're now at five almost five thousand. We're at five thousand dollars, and that's great. But the entire project, start to finish, is costing me twelve. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'm still seven in, and I'm using that five and anything else that we make to just fund issue two. Right. So, like, I mean, to be honest with you, if we can just keep funding and I'm only $7,000 in the hole after it's all said and done, I think it's that's great. Yeah. That's the only other thing is, like, now I'm really starting to pay attention to, like, the dollars and cents of it all. And the crazy thing that I talk to you about all the time is, like, I don't know how your smaller indies do it. Right. Like, so I'm trying to figure out the cost, what the rips look like. And then I'm looking at a, at like Scout or Ablaze or any of these other publishers. And like, dude, it's if they are paying industry rates for this stuff and they have to pay writers. Right. So I'm writing the book for free. 
Right. So on top of what they're doing, the cost of creating this book, they're paying writers. You know, let's say they run. I mean, what do some of these books? What, what's the smallest print run that you've seen for some of the indies that we buy? Do you have that information? Not handy, but it's usually like a few thousand. So let's just say it's three thousand books. Right. I think that would be a smaller. We're we're still trying, but it's a smaller print run kind of book. Yeah. Okay. So if it's three thousand books, I am. This is after the cost to create the book. Just to get the book printed, I'm printing my books, I think, at around a dollar a book just mm-hmm. to print, not call, not to make. So if a small indie is doing 3,000 books, I mean, they're, they're close to – let's just – I'm making this number up. Let's just say it's 75 cents just to get the book printed. Right. But then it's got – like Diamond gets their cut. And then you guys are if the book's three ninety nine, stores are getting the books for two dollars. Like where are the margins on it's this insane. stuff? You know, it's insane. Yeah. So learning this has been has been the craziest part of it all. But it's so much fun, right? It is. I, I so <laughs> yes, it's one of the few things I've done where I'm not exhausted. Like I'm physically exhausted, mm. but I'm not burnt out from the project yet. Still love it. Still love it. I do feel bad for. Like I have to say no a lot to like friends, family, whatever. Like I like everything at this point gets put on hold because time is money. Like it sounds so gross to be like time is money. Time is money. That's but, why that's a phrase. Yeah, like but it's it, true. But it's you know I'm like okay, well if I have downtime, I could be working in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's you know here at the comic book store. Um, 30 North Main Street, Glassboro, New yeah. Jersey. Hey. Whether it's working here or tutoring or I'm just trying to, you know, sell books like of my own from my collection on eBay and listing. Like I'm always trying to figure out a way to make additional money just in case, right? Like yeah. I was talking to you before about pre-production, which I didn't even know was a thing. Yeah. And I'm very fortunate that I was able to find someone to do the pre-pro and they knew what they were doing. They're great at what they do. But I wasn't expecting to spend another $150. You know sure. what I mean? A lot of hidden a lot of hidden costs that you just don't see. At all. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of fun to talk about the the money side of Kickstarter that people don't know. Like it's a lot of process. It's a lot of work. It's yeah. it's having some some dollary dues set aside up front. Mm-hmm. It's it's a whole process people aren't aware of. Yeah. And what you said earlier today where you said get another artist to do a cover C. Yeah. And yes, that's a great idea, but but I, but I have to consider it's going to cost me anywhere from 250 to who knows, to question mark. To question mark to get right. this cover done, right? Yep. So let's just say it's $250. That's to get the cover. That doesn't include the cost to add it to the order. Right. So for people who don't know, when I decided to initially do my order of 1,500 books, I was going to do 1,000 copies of cover A and 500 copies of cover B. Just for adding the cover B like line mm-hmm. in the order, it's an additional 250 some dollars just for the, the cost, I guess, change the machinery over or whatever. Right. It's a different kind of cost. It's not as simple as just slap that other one on there. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So now if I want to do another cover, it's really not 250, it's 500 to question mark. Right. 
and then you got to hope that it, it makes sense financially. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, okay, well, would I, would I have sold the same number of books had I just done a cover A and cover B? Like, does the cover C justify whatever it is that you do? It's hard to say. It's very hard to say. Yeah. Does that artist have a big family that love him? <laughs> That's what you're talking Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, how... Okay, we, does the artist have siblings? How many cousins? How many cousins will buy this artist's book to justify the cost? And then, like, even though it's easy to criticize, like, a Marvel and DC, but, like, when Marvel does... 20 variant covers mm-hmm. you know or when todd mcfarlane did however many covers for spawn 300 sure he's already selling his books he's got to be selling those books for almost that cost right like it's a 2.99 cover so you're already a dollar below everybody else the store is probably getting it for for a dollar 50 right like half probably the, typically like most retail right it's yep. it's like whatever plus 100 so so now we're at a dollar 50 for him on these books. Right. Dude, where do you make money on a dollar fit? That doesn't include what Diamond takes. Right. Diamond gets a cut. Other people get a cut. You know, there's yeah. other fees. Uh, when you're Todd McFarlane, it doesn't matter. That's true. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure he makes very little comparatively. Yeah. And he's totally cool with I it. I think for him, it's mar- It's it's the marketing it's, of Todd McFarlane. It's for the love of the game. Yeah, for sure. You know, and he loves Image. Uh-huh. You know, you ask him a question, he'll tell you the whole history of Image. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's been, it's, I, I'm not exhausted, like, I, again, I'm not burnt out yet. It's just trying to get through the other stuff. Like, you know, you, I come home from work. For, uh, today's a great example, right? So um, for people who don't know, I'm a high school English teacher, and I am up between 5.30 and 5.45. I'm at the school with kids at my door at 7 a.m. on a great day, doing getting everything done I need to get done. I'm out of the building between 2.30 and 2.45. Then I get in my car, I run home, I have maybe 45 minutes of downtime, and then I come here, and then I'm here until 8 o'clock, and then I go home, I shower, I make my lunch, I do all that stuff, and then I'm in my office until however long, planning social media, which is a whole other thing that is... Yeah. I understand why people have full-time jobs where the only thing they do is handle other folks' social media. Yep. 100%. Yep. It's a big amount of work. It's a and how how does this one post work better on Twitter? How does it work better on Instagram? How yeah. does it, should there be a TikTok presence? Yeah. If there is, what do I do for TikTok for a comic book? Yeah. It's you know like there's so many different things. I think you've done pretty good with your social media. I, Thank I you. see your posts all the time. I see people interacting with it. I see people within the industry interacting with it, which yeah. is really cool. I always like it when some artist is like, ah, this thing looks cool. I like it. And it's yeah. like, it's got to feel good. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Now, for you guys, like when you do, when you're doing capes and scowl stuff versus Paul and Tim do a thing, are you guys thinking like how to navigate each social media like is this sort of content reserved for youtube shorts and this sort of content reserved for long form youtube and then this stuff is for tiktok it really depends i try to throw everything everywhere yeah um i'm bad at tiktok but i'm consistent with tiktok so it's like every my tiktok is mostly just hey this is my pick of the week here it is yeah you know i a lot of artists and writers have found it through there when we do our reviews with Team Ashen and I do the, the weekly comic reviews with Paul, a lot of creators have reached out through there. And it's it's a little bit of Capes and Scows. Capes and Scows is, is very much podcast yeah. audio first. And, you know, I do things with Superliminal Films, 
We have Superliminal Games. They have their own Twitch presence. It's like this big community that just does everything. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting because I will see crossover in the audio that's like, we're crushing it. And then, like, our, our YouTube is like, womp, womp. And it's yeah. like, okay. But then other things that I'm on in YouTube are, are amazing. And it's like, I don't care. I just want to put things out in the ether. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to make a million dollars, you right. know. If I do, hey, that'd be nice. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to do a little of everything and, and do it to the best of my ability, you know? Yeah. It's, we've, we've been going over 10 years. We've been I thir- 13 years, I think, now. Like, the fact that you guys are <laughs> as consistent as you've been yeah. is insane. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of being locked in your room crying with your pit bull. It's that kind of mentality. Dude, and that's the... And my wife's like, well, you could be out here driving me nuts, or you could go to your room yeah. and do your podcast work. <laughs> it's and, and not to get all, like, woe is me, like, lonely artist type stuff, but I think that's the stuff no one understands or thinks right. about. Like, how many quiet hours are spent alone kind mm-hmm. of trying to make sense of whatever it is that you're putting together, and most of it doesn't work, and then... Right. It's very easy to fall into this feeling of, like, I just wasted three hours of my time because I have absolutely nothing to show for this thing. And it works the other way, too, where all of a sudden, like, you catch lightning in a bottle and you crank something out in 25 minutes to a half hour that you're super proud of. Mm-hmm. But the that's, I, I think, to stay consistent in the face of, like, not nothing, but it, it, to stay consistent in a craft where it's not instant gratification. Right. You know what I mean? Like, especially with you guys, like you will. Okay. So this is content, right? We're taking whatever, an hour on a, on a Tuesday night to do this, but then a week might go by and then you're going to take however long you need to take to edit it. Depends how many ums you got. (laughs) Right. That's true too. I'm trying my best. (laughs) No, you're doing fine. You're absolutely doing fine. So you... I'm so I'm so old school at this, and I've done this for so long. I, I will visually be able to tell when you say um, nice. and I'll, I'll be highlighting it and cutting it before you even say it. I'm I'm trying my <laughs> best to to mind my mind the umming, or the you knows, or any of you those knows. Sort, of, sort of things. But you'll finish the editing, and then this thing won't come out. Let's just say it comes out a week later. Sure. But then you won't know if it lands or creates traction. For another week or two. That's true. I won't have a, a real good idea unless it like explodes on the social media. Then right. I'll be like, all right, people are interacting with it. Right. Uh, how that translates to clicks and views. And, and podcasts are very weird. Only yeah. recently has it gotten better to kind of tell your analytics. Right. So it is interesting. It is very interesting to say the least. But. Yeah. And you come from the same world I came from of playing music. Yep. And I'm looking back now at when I was making music, and all I can think about is how spoiled I was as <laughs> yeah. an artist, where you could write a song Friday afternoon, especially as a singer-songwriter, so I didn't even have to collaborate with anybody. You could just do it. I could just do it. So I could write a song on Friday, I would have a show Saturday night, I could play that song Saturday, and for the most part, you could figure out whether or not it resonated with people and it was good or bad, right? You play the song for the first time, and you always knew, at least for me, I always knew if I was moving in the right direction, if someone I didn't know came up to me, and they're like, hey, I really like that song. Yeah, it always that always feels great. That's the slam dunk, and that is as instant, really, as it gets. Right. Now, on the other side of, of this whole creative world, Proctor was originally a book. 
it took me three years to write and dial it in after maybe four or five drafts and probably anywhere from six to 12 beta readers who gave me feedback. And then I decided to make it a comic in December, like this time last year was when we were having conversations about it. When I was like, dude, I think you were just like, I'm doing it. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I think I'm going to make it a comic. And I still, I don't know if this is imposter syndrome, but it still might suck. You know what I mean? Sure. You kind of. Oh, I think everything I do sucks. And then people are like, it sounds great. And I'm like, oh, I guess it does. Yeah. I hate everything I do until I hear it, I guess, later. It's, it's a different way of creating. If this is a giant success, is there any world where you want to release the book? The book version of it? Oh, man. So, I guess I'll say it here, because this is the first time. Uh, You're going to be hearing this for the yes. first time. Yes. I like the idea of maybe releasing short stories oh. of the chapters in the book that aren't covered. Okay, sure. So, so the book is roughly 300 pages. I think it's definitely wrong here, but let's just say it's 23 chapters. I remember initially going, there's no way I can cut this thing down into a comic book. Like, there's no way. I would have imagined it'd have to be 50, 60 issues. Right. So there's no way I can cut this thing up. And then all of a sudden, I'm moving through it, and I'm like, okay, this chapter is backstory that I guess could be its own issue, right? Like, its own one one shot. One shot, yeah. Right. So I started kind of looking at it in that regard. Like, okay, which of these chapters are, you know, not meaningless, but as far as the cent- the central story arc, the central conflict, what can I eliminate? And then I started chopping things out, and then I found myself with 12 issues. And then I found myself with 8 issues. And then after a couple more rejections, I realized, like, and you had said this before, you know, shoot for the trade paperback. A trade paperback is anywhere from 4 to 6 issues. Typically. Try and write for that story arc. So I moved it from 8 issues to 6. I think... I'm pretty confident that the, that the six issues land. Mm-hmm. I had to make some changes. I, I also think it would be really fun to take some of these stories you leave out and try to twist them to be one-shots. Yeah. I think that's a whole different animal to turn them into the one-shots. It's fun. you got to kind of come from a different angle to make it make sense as a one-shot. For sure. Yeah. Right? Is it going to be 20 pages or is it going to be 36 pages or or whatever you know 64 big giant pages can i do a 64 page is that all those are all those dollar superman batman books they're all six oh yeah i think they're all like the 64 page super they're like homaging those giant size x-men kind of years yeah yeah (laughs) and that like that sounds fun so i think in a on a if everything moves in a positive direction and it's uh, the world is perfect and i make enough money to like (laughs) continue to want to do this you know i I mean i'm gonna do the six issues regardless of how much money it costs i think at this point i'm so in now yeah yeah. but you know if everything goes great i would definitely love to do either one shots or short stories it would be cool to maybe for issues for for the issue to kickstarter Maybe one of the tiers includes a short story from the novel. That'd be fun. You know, that kind of takes place in between the chapters of issue one and issue two. And I can kind of, like, insert these things. Would you let other people play in your sandbox and and write the world? I would. So, I don't want to say too much to spoil it. Right. But I, I will say this. There are 
You don't have to say anything. I'll cut it. (laughs) Don't give them nothing. (laughs) There are characters that I absolutely adore Mm -hmm. that are built on the bones of some of my friends. Right, like over the course of my life, who and, and they might not be in my life anymore for one reason or another, but they made an impact on me. Mm-hmm. And I would like other people to explore those characters in like fun and new and interesting ways. You know what I mean? I, sure. I, I don't think my voice should be the only voice in, in the world. Other people's perspectives on some of these characters could be fun. Could be fun. Especially because as much as these characters are emblematic of these people in my life, those people aren't me, right? So if I can give someone else an opportunity to explore those people, it would kind of resonate, I think, in a, in a pretty cool way. Yeah. So I would love the Proctorverse to be a thing. That would be great. would love the Proctorverse to be a thing. Well, it is a thing. I guess it is a it thing. It is a thing. It is a thing. I would love the Proctorverse to be a thing that other people explore. There you That's go. Yeah. There are different clans, I think, that people will realize as they move through the first issue. And they will definitely see as they move into issue two. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it would be cool. In the same way that, you know, we're seeing... I'm trying to think of, like... I know you don't like this title. <laughs> but in the same way that we watch the X-Men kind of move into the New Mutants and X-Factor and, and all of that stuff... Right. I would love to see something like that happen. I mean, moving into New Mutants and X-Factor is better than Red, Blue. That's true. Yes, I, I would. Yeah, I, you, we're not going to get like a Proctor Blue anytime soon. Oh, man. Now I kind of um, want it now that I heard it. Uh, but I like <laughs> I, I like the idea of the world in that there are family. Like I, I, there are families that are affiliated with certain things and just exploring those families and exploring those clans of of people whether it's vampires or lichen or warlocks or any of that stuff i'm starting to play around with just creating my own your lore yeah like and that's been really fun too i can't wait for the rpg book that's what i want dude uh, the it's more perfect you, for it uh, the more perfect. you talk about it the more i'm like ah, it probably would be fun it would be fun yeah how hard would that be to do probably very hard mm-hmm I've never tried, but I think just coming up with the ideas of what the characters are, that's the easy part, at least for you, especially as a writer. Yeah. To be like, this is this character, she's this type of character. Right. And you can roll her up roughly in these kind of ways. Yeah. And and build the character that way, and then go. Yeah. But, you know, you and you can just keep, it's another way for you to play in the universe, but it not necessarily be canon, which is fun. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of cool options. I'll help you do that. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the good news is there's so many. Uh, there's so much like there's enough good content out there. Out there where you know you kind of I don't know. You, you look at who's doing it the best, right? And you're like, okay, like what are the what's the blueprints for some of this stuff to try and make it work? And then also at the same time, like when you're thinking, oh, I have this idea, then you look at games or stories or whatever that failed using that idea you're like oh well maybe they were they missed on a couple things yeah but i wouldn't it's so hard to analyze other people's stuff like you don't it's so hard would do we ever really know why they failed yeah do we know this person like went bankrupt because they're terrible with money do we know that this person is a raging alcoholic do we know like you just don't know you can only really speak for yourself and so the hardest part for me has been if we're talk, like thinking about the, the construction of the book, I think the, the hardest part has been walking the line between the creative and the business. Right. 
And I keep thinking about what you were telling me, like when I first started this. I don't like how much you're saying you're thinking about what I said. Yeah, That's not dude. good. <laughs> so, okay. So, just from a sheer business perspective, this concept of you break even on the issues mm-hmm. to pay for the trade paperback. Ideally. And then the trade paperback is kind of where you can, if you, if you, market it and sell it the right way it kind of it will breathe financial life into your other projects and the hardest part is writing for the market and it has to make sense financially so in my pop culture class that i teach we talk about music and people don't think about it this way but for a very long time you know jazz was the way of life in in the world of music if i was a bar and I wanted young people to come. They're the only band that I could hire really was a jazz band. No one was playing cover songs in the 1940s, right? right. There weren't any songs to cover. Right. So you, it, same thing in the 50s. So you just hired a jazz band and they would just play for three hours because that's what jazz is. And then all of a sudden, this invention comes out and now we've got records and now maybe we can use the record in place of a band at times and we can sort of play music in the background so the invention of the record kind of changed the market. For sure. Right? But then as an artist and a creative, you're thinking, okay, well, now I have to play. Most people are going to consume this music because it's recorded. So now as an artist, I have to live in the world of what I'm going to be recorded on. So now this idea of me just playing music for an hour or the idea of me jamming for 30 minutes well, that doesn't make any sense now because only X amount of time can be held on this record. So now I have to write a song that can fit on this record, right? And then you're you're thinking about how many songs fit on the record. Yeah. So that is, let's just say it's two on the front, two on the back, right? So we've got four songs. So now as an artist, if I'm going to tell a story on a record, it only makes sense financially if I can tell a four song story. For the most part, right? Right. You're, and, you're not writing The Wall or, you know, this big Pink Floyd-style, yeah. Doors-style al- well, double can't. albums. Yeah, you can't. Because that's doubling your cost at least. Yeah, but the technology didn't exist. Right. Right? So eventually the technology exists, and then eventually these artists can do these things. But it's why right now the like rule of thumb is, I think, you only get paid on Spotify if your song streams for i think 30 seconds it's 30 or 60 so whatever that is so a lot of artists have moved their chorus to the beginning of the song so now instead of any longer introduction or, or or instrumental or skit or anything Artists are thinking, well, I need this thing to last 30 seconds so that I can at least get paid. Right. So my chorus that I was going to save because it's awesome for the middle of the song, I'm just going to move to the very beginning so that it streams 30 seconds. It sucks when that's a compromise to get your 35th of a penny or yeah. whatever it yeah. breaks down to being. Yep. But that's what it is. It's in, it's interesting. I mean, how many people when the record came around lost their minds like, oh, God, now I have to perform the best I've ever performed because yeah. it's going to be out there forever. Yep. It's a lot of people just probably broke down. Yeah. It, I mean, it's why like now nobody records full length album. It's, it's almost unheard of. I know. And I love full length albums. I love sitting with an album and just seeing what you thought. Why'd you put these songs in this order? Yeah. But if no one's going to, if the average consumer 
isn't right. going to make it to song seven. Right. To see how it works, if I'm the artist, I'm like, man, as much as I would love my song seven to be played, I think I'm just going to write a four song EP or do a mixtape and release one song a month for the next year. Sure. A lot of people are doing that. Which a lot of people are doing. So where every song, if you're if you're good enough, every song could be a single. Correct. Which was unheard of. Right. Years ago. Not even that many years ago. Right. So that's kind of where we're stuck at. And I, I look at those things and I'm like, okay, if I'm going to tell this story, unfortunately, how can I do it for it to make sense financially? Right. Where I think other artists who or creatives who don't have to be is entrepreneurial, they can kind of just be, they can just do whatever. And I'm not, you know, this is not me knocking anybody who writes for Marvel, but it's a little bit different, right? Where they don't have to deal with, I think, the X's and O's as much. Right. Right? Like, how am I going to sell this to, how am I personally going to sell this as a trade paperback to a store? Where for me, I'm almost already thinking about like, okay, what stores on the East Coast am I going to hit? three you know probably not three two years from now when mm -hmm. i've got a six issue trade paperback where am i going to sell it how am i going to sell it mm -hmm. if i'm going to sell it is there a one shot that i could also sell sure um, we've talked children's book yeah i would love well you've to... created your own company here oh yeah we, we didn't even talk about so that. plug your company yeah so harpoon creative industries yeah. is the publishing company that i created over the summer it kind of gives me what I need in order to, from you know, a tax perspective, but really for anybody who, who is interested in kickstarting anything, you know, you, you want to have a separate bank account. And if you're going to have a separate bank account, you may as well get a tax ID number. Right. And if you're going to get the tax ID number, well, then just get the LLC and, and keep it moving. Like one of the things that I learned working with my brother, like, what a good guy your brother. What a good guy that guy is. About a decade ago when we were selling t-shirts was you save a ton of money if you have a tax ID and D number and go direct to the distributor to buy the t-shirts. Sure. So instead of, not that, I'm not going to say people can't make money, but if you go to a mom and pop t-shirt printing company tomorrow and you want to buy a t-shirt from them and you have prints that you want to get made they're going to charge you sometimes retail for the t-shirt right so the t-shirt might they might charge you 15 dollars to get 25 shirts printed when most of the time that's because they're charging you retail for the garment i'm getting the garment direct from distributors so i get it wholesale that's been nice but you need the having the llc and the tax id number and all that stuff kind of gives you access to that Right. And again, if I was just a creator, I wouldn't have to worry about any of this stuff. But because I'm I'm the entrepreneur and the owner of this publishing company and everything else, it's kind of, you have to think about that all the time. So if I'm Joe Blow over in Kansas City in the middle of nowhere, I guess Kansas City's the middle of nowhere, uh, and I want to work for you, what do I do? How do I say, Carmen, look at my great thing. Look how awesome I am. So harpooncreativeindustries.com is the website there is a contact email there email me yeah yeah for for right now i don't know if i i really at this point in time you're busy now i'm super busy now but right. once i get out of the chaos of shipping and and fulfillment of issue one and, and the dust is starting to settle on issue two you know as i move into next year i would love to pick up another 
Another project. Another project. Yeah. Um, the question just becomes, what does that project kind of look like? What's it going to be? Uh, it's it's cool to figure out the production side of producing a comic book. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm starting to get a little comfortable <laughs> with learning the ins and outs of actually getting something printed, where to print from. Are we going to do a large batch? Are we going to do something small? Because like there are some companies, I think Comics Wellspring will print a batch as small as 25 books. Wow. Yeah, they will print 25. Now, what is that going to cost you? I don't know. I mean, hey, if it's $6 a book, but it's a $10 price tag, and you just you aren't into making money per se, you're Correct. just like, I want my 25 copies out there. Correct. You know, then you can surely do that. Yes, which is what I've been thinking about. You know, if you want to do a second printing of issue one, or if I want to get really fun and do some exclusive stuff, mm-hmm. I have issue one already built. I've got some covers. I could do if we move into issue two and I do a Kickstarter, and I want to hire an artist to do a second printing of issue one to do a brand new cover. Like there are a lot of really fun things that start to make more sense, you know? Right. Same thing as far as any artists are concerned. Also email me because I'm always looking for artists to do even like small prints for marketing. Sure. You know, and I think that's one thing that I encourage artists to think about when it comes to their craft is, yes, you can be creative and you can draw what you want to draw, how you want to draw it. But if you want to draw comic books, fine. But also, take a look at the lay of the land. It's a bigger industry than you think. There are larger moving pieces that can you can be of assistance to. And if you play your cards right, you can use your talents to make your money kind of from a craft perspective. Mm-hmm. And then all of the money that you make drawing for advertisements sure well now you can take that money and leverage that money into the artistic project that you really love that's great advice that's basically what dave stevens did the guy who created the rocketeer okay he was notoriously nitpicky nothing was ever perfect and he would never hand in things and make deadlines and everybody loved his stuff so he took a lot of illustrative work and he would do ad work and he would do work on movies and do storyboards for them and and whatnot because that's how he made a living because he could never if you look at the rocketeer the complete rocketeer it's a small hardcover and that's the over the course of 20-ish years he wrote all of that right because he just could not make a deadline it's like 10 comics which is insane when you think about it stories like that make me feel good Mm -hmm. because so i'll be 39 in february Mm mm-hmm And it kind of gives you a little bit of perspective where you realize that this is definitely a marathon. Oh, yeah. And you have time. You need a plan, for sure, right? Like, you absolutely need a plan. You can only dumb luck so so far. (laughs) Yeah, I just listened to... Jay Shetty has a podcast called On Purpose, and it's, like, the number one self-help podcast in, like, the world. Nice. Um, He just interviewed Arnold Schwarzenegger. Also and, nice. And it, it's an amazing podcast. And one of the things that Arnold was talking about is this idea of, like, you, if you're a pilot and you get in a plane, that's great. And it's fine that you got the courage to get in the plane. But once you get in the air, you need a place to go. You need to know where you're going because then you're just going to run out of gas and crash. Sure. And 
you know, that's super important. But just if you know where you're going and you know how much gas you have and you know how long it's going to take you to get there, it's fine. And as I get older, I'm starting to see and hear these stories of all of these artists who, you know, they didn't pop off when they were 18. They didn't pop off when they were 22. They didn't pop off when they were 35. Yeah. You know, a lot of these guys and gals spent a long time getting really good at what they did. And even when they were the best, people still overlooked them and they still kind of had to grind a little bit. You know, we grew up in a time where all these bands were getting signed. These kids were 18 years old. Right. You know, one of my favorite bands in high school was The Starting Line. And I think those guys were signed to drive through records before Kenny graduated from high school. So I think he was like 17, 18 years old. That's wild. Yeah. And when you're 17 or 18, you're like, okay, well, I want to be a musician. I want to be an artist. And those guys and gals are signed and they're on tour and they're 18 years old. And if I don't do that, then I'm a failure. And that's sure. such a horrible way. That's awful. It's a horrible way to, to look at it. Yeah. You know, as opposed to looking at I'm trying to think of, of a, of a singer songwriter. So Jess and I, uh, my wife and I are going to see Gregory Allen Isakov on Saturday. He is playing at the Fillmore. Okay. No, wait, no, he's playing at the Franklin Music Hall in Philly, which was the Electric Factory. Correct. So he, I don't know if the show's sold out, but the fact of the matter is when you're playing a room like the Electric Factory, you're doing something right. Correct. I saw him play at Johnny Brenda's. Nice. In 2011, I think. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's not on the radio. He's not. He's not Taylor Swift. He's not playing. He's definitely not a Zach Bryan. Sure. Right? He's not Post Malone. Right. I'm sure. I mean, he's probably older than me. So I'm, I'm, or pretty close. So you can look at a career like his and you could say like, oh my God, he's only just now playing the Electric Factory. The starting line played the Electric Factory and sold it out when they were 18 years old. Right? Or... Post Malone is playing arenas now, but it's a different race, man. It's a very different race. It's a different race. And I would argue that someone like Gregory Allen Isakov, who it's, it's just like really good folk music, mm -hmm. is probably in a safer place than maybe some of these young kids who are probably ill-equipped to be as famous as they are. For sure. You know what I mean? Like A lot of these adults are ill-equipped. Uh, exactly. To be. Know? And <laughs> you kind of have a career. And I think that's something that I've, I've really thought about. Is like, how am I just getting better as a writer to eventually, potentially... Launch have, a career. Launch a career. So that's been the, the, the plan. Like, how can I really turn this into something bigger? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I don't know if I'm doing it the right way yet. <laughs> like, I'm doing it your way. You know, I'm, I'm still I have nothing figured out. I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing. I just know that in some instances things seem to line up and work out okay. I do know that anybody who wants to be artistic in 2023 absolutely needs other people. Yeah. I think that's a there's no such thing as much as we like to romanticize about it sometimes. There's no such thing as a true independent artist. You know what I mean? No one is writing or creating alone in their room completely and then alone blowing up. 
it definitely takes a village. It takes a community. I'm very fortunate that I have the support system that I do where, you know, friends, family, I, you know, the, the comic book community in South Jersey, the customers that come in this store, mm-hmm. everybody has been super supportive. And if it wasn't for everybody investing in this idea, I wouldn't have. I would just be alone in my room still kind of (laughs) writing. You know what I mean? Sure. And I think the easier way is sometimes you think like, oh, I just have to write this song or write this book or create this thing. And then I'll get an agent or a manager and then they'll do all the whatever. Like they'll do all the networking But you still got to be worth managing. Yep. You still have to. You can't just stop. Yep. You actually have to hit the gas once that happens. It's like, it's the old butts in seats type of thing. Like, how many people can you put through the door? How many butts can you put in these seats? How many tickets can you sell? Yeah. And that's the whole DIY punk rock thing that I think has helped me. Sure. For sure, psychologically get through this, where it's, for me, it's like, it's just another show. Like, right. like get in the car, <laughs> load the stuff up, drive two hours. If you play in front of two people who don't want to hear you, that's just part of the gig. It's part of it. Get back in the car, drive another two hours. Eventually, hopefully, one person is going to come up to you and say, hey, man, I really like that second song that you played. And then I'm like, all right, I got one. You got them. And then, like, brick by brick, you hope that two people show up and then four people show up. It is cool that you can just be like, here's here's my website, here's my Spotify, you can listen to that song, you can follow me, mm-hmm. versus like, I might have my CD in my car. Do you like, remember <laughs> how awful that was? Yes. Like Oh, God, yes. Boxes of them, and they were all boxes. smashed in. <laughs> boxes and boxes of CDs, and just trying to sell them they, for... They weigh, too. Yeah, they do. They start weighing. Yep. Your trunk's dragging on the ground. <laughs> Listen, I... Sparking. As long as I don't have to load in another drum set or bass cab... Sure. ...up the steps of the Trocadero, rest in peace in Philadelphia, as long as I don't have to carry <laughs> musical equipment up steps, this is easy. You know what I mean? Comparatively. Oh, man, now I want to buy the Trocadero and bring it back. <laughs> uh, I think it it's official. I don't know what it is now. I don't know what it is but, either. But, yeah... What I a, did love that venue. Easily my favorite venue in the city. It was a cool venue. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I guess we're going to start wrapping it up here. So let's bring it back to your Kickstarter. Let's get all the information that is relevant to people who don't know who you are, who don't, who just found you by complete sheer happenstance. How do they back you? What are some of the cool, maybe talk about some of the stretch goals, some of the yeah. things that are going on. Sure. Give so, them the skinny. So the easiest way to contact me Instagram, carmen.costa.writes is where you can find me. I'm super active and most active on Instagram. In my bio, there's a link to the website, but if that gives you too much trouble, it's harpooncreativeindustries.com. From there, you can find the link to the Kickstarter. The project is called Proctor. We have nine tiers that are there right now. Tier tiers nine and eight are sold out, which has been awesome. Yeah. Tier seven, I think there are nineteen left, and it's a hundred dollar tier that'll get you two t-shirts. Each t-shirt is featured in the comic in some way, and each t-shirt will continue for the next six issues to show up in the comic. Right. So that if you're ever if you're a true fan of the story and you want to wave the flag, 
you can rock one of these t-shirts and hopefully make the connection that way. The next tier down is only one of the two t-shirts and then the next tier down you'll get like a poster in the books and then so on and so forth. You'll see it's pretty self-explanatory. We just announced the stretch goals last week because again, uh, we, we met our funding goal in 48 hours. The first stretch goal is pretty pretty standard, it seems like, for most Kickstarters. Yep. Uh, it's a $6,000 stretch, stretch goal. If we hit it, everybody will be getting um, a Proctor sticker of the cover B, which seems to be like a, a huge hit. Uh, it's, it's been a fan favorite so far. It captures the, the feel, the vibe of the book. Yes. Uh, if you love cover B, um, check out Andrea Scalamazzi. Uh, he created that uh he's you know the guy is is just a force um a young guy out of italy um ricardo check also from from italy who also is doing the the interiors and the cover a the work. interiors are so nice it, i'm very happy with very how they nice. turned out so the 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 stretch goal for the first stretch goal for 6k is a sticker but the next two stretch goals i'm super proud of so i've said this before like it takes a village to to produce this sort of stuff so if we hit 8k i am giving every single person that i worked with creatively on this project a 10 percent raise on the product that they created for me so my buddy ryan Beatty, who is out in california right now did the score for the trailer he's gonna get a 10 percent raise jaslyn stone who i've been working with to deal with the the marketing of this whole project, she's gonna get a 10% raise. Rafir Roberts, who worked on the pre-production to get everything ready for print, he's gonna get a 10% raise. My letterer, Reed, out in California, my colorist, Marcos in Brazil, um, and the two gentlemen I already mentioned in Italy, they will all be getting um, 10% raises, so. I love that. Yeah, I, I really, I don't, even when I was in bands, I used to say everybody eats, man. Like, everybody has to win. If I need to make sure that they are taken care of so that this thing can thrive. Yep. And then the, the final stretch goal is the, if we hit... It's the coolest one. Yeah, if we hit $10,000, uh, my brother recently started a nonprofit called the Comic Book Collective, Inc. And that organization is focused on giving, presenting opportunities for underserved kids to have access to not just comic books, but also comic book education and writing education. So through his nonprofit, I'm going to be giving away a $1,000 scholarship. So cool. Yeah, to a deserving senior in South Jersey. So essentially, if you're a senior who goes to an underserved school district and you are interested in writing or graphic design or illustration or art in any way, that would qualify you. Uh, if we hit the 10K stretch goal, we'll have like um, portfolio requirements and, and submission requirements. Mm -hmm. So that's I'm um, I'm just super excited about that. I can't wait for you to hit that. Yeah. I think that's the coolest thing. What's the hope? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, this has been great. It's always fun to talk with you. Thanks, I like that man. this was. I like that this turned into a financial like podcast. I'm. We got to talk about that. People don't know how difficult a Kickstarter is. Yeah, and I will say if anybody has any questions about any part of this process please email me please message me on instagram if you message me on instagram and i don't answer email me if you email me and i don't answer message me on instagram <laughs> you know any way i could be of service when it comes to doing this i would like to because it's hard man it's a lot <laughs> yeah 
Nobody does this thing alone. And anybody who says that is a liar. That's right. And if he doesn't answer, email me. Yes. At capesandscalespodcast at gmail.com and I'll poke him physically. Absolutely. Until he answers your email. Yeah. And if neither of us answer, just come to the comic book store because we're probably here. <laughs> we probably are. We're sad. We're crying. We're like, oh, working. Ugh, comics all the time. <laughs> For the birds, I say. Yes. The birds. <laughs> Well, thank you, and it's been a pleasure, and everybody, please go support Proctor. Dude, thank you for having me. Absolutely. We'll have you back soon. Thanks, buddy. I love you. <laughs>